Have you ever been somewhere and you looked around and you just realized that I don't belong here? Have you ever been in a place like that before? To me, it's any time I go to the gym, right? Hopefully, Tori won't be mad at me for telling this story. But a few years ago, some teenagers asked her to go to the gym, and she was, she was excited to do it. She, she thought it'd be a great time for them. Actually, Candace, it was back when Candace was a teenager. And Planet Fitness, if you know, their whole thing is like we're a no-judgment zone, right? And they're, they're, the lunk alarm goes off if you make too many loud noises grunting, trying to be too strong. Uh, and so she went. She was just going to basically hang out, walk on the treadmill. She didn't have a bunch of workout clothes, and we aren't those type of people. Uh, But she shows up, and apparently they are a judgment zone because she was wearing jeans, and they said she couldn't come in. And so she was just going to walk. But you can look around at different places, right? And you could say, man, I don't fit in here. This is not my people, right? Well, we see here in the book of James that as Christians, we constantly should look around in the world and realize that this is not our home country. That we don't fit here. We are exiles. We are immigrants. We are destined for another land. Foreigners and strangers for a place called heaven. We can't get all caught up in the culture and the cares and the things of this world because we are citizens of heaven. You know that old song, right? I love it. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. We are destined for another land. Now, last week, we dealt with temptation to live for material things. And we talked about how we tend and we, we become apathetic to what the things that God has given us. And we tend to complain about how ungrateful, uh, uh, we tend to complain about how, uh, you know, the things that we have aren't enough. And we become ungrateful for the life that we have. When in reality, we are the richest of the rich in this world, when compared to the rest of the world. And we were challenged last week to use our resources to help people rather than, rather than hoard these things for ourselves. So remember, we're going to be in uh, uh, James chapter 5 and verse uh, 7, if you want to go ahead and turn there. But way back in the first chapter of James, we saw that this book was written to Christians that had to live through persecution. They had to flee for their lives out of Jerusalem, out of their homeland. And James addresses that fact again and reminds them that it's okay that you had to leave Jerusalem because that wasn't your home. Your home is another place. So verse 7. He tells us, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. James says, I know that you're suffering. I know that things are hard. But one day, Jesus is going to come back for his precious children. And the illustration here that he paints for us is a farmer that is waiting for just the right time to pick the fruit. Jesus is waiting for just the right time to come back and to get his people and to make all things new. There's a song that used to say it like this. All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. This life is temporary. 
Everything that we worry about, all the cares of this world, the anxieties of this world, this is temporary, but the next life is eternal. We need to live for the next life. Verse 8 says, you also be patient. We are not a patient people, are we? Right? We, we, everything comes to us so quickly and so easily. It's all on our phone or it's all in uh, instant or right away. If Amazon is a day late with anything, we're calling the company. We're calling the Better Business Bureau. I don't know if you've noticed over the past year, the Postal Service and some of the other uh, things have been backed up. Uh, our kids got some Christmas cards like three weeks ago. What is that? But we expect it. Everything needs to happen right away. But James tells us, be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. He again reminds us to be patient. Don't panic. Don't freak out. Jesus is coming back. We should be the most calm people in the world because we know the end of the story. We know what's going to happen next. We know as Christians that we have the victory. And one day, we're going to be in a new heaven and a new earth with our Savior. We should be the most calm, unpanicked people that there are. He says, be patient. And then he tells us to set our hearts, to fix our hearts, establish our hearts, know where our heart is. Lock it in on Christ. Psalms 57, 7 in the KJV says it this way. I love it. It says, my heart is fixed. My heart is locked on like a heat-seeking missile. My heart is fixed on Christ. My heart is fixed, oh God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and I will give praise. So even when it's hard and even when it's easy for us to get distracted, even when we have hurts, even when we've been offended, even when there is some sort of persecution that may come, my heart is fixed and focused on you and on the fact that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Uh, Romans uh, 15, 11 says, besides all this, you know the time. That the hour has come for you to wake out of your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Look at the time. You're closer to the coming of Jesus today than you were yesterday. Uh, there have been times in the history of the church that we were very aware of that. That Jesus could come back at any moment. Tori's mom, back when she was a teenager, she remembers struggling over the fact, like, what am I going to do next? Jesus could come back. Well, should I go to college? Should I do this? Should I do that? And obviously, I don't think we should necessarily live in that way. We need to live in the way that God wants us to. But we ought to be aware that Jesus could come back any moment. And the plans that we have and all these big schedules that we have, it all could go away because Jesus is coming soon. Look at the time. You're closer today than you were yesterday. Maybe it'll be today. Maybe it'll be a hundred years from today. But it's closer today than it's ever been before. So don't get worried. Don't get frustrated how this world is going. The Bible tells us everything that's going on is what was going to happen. As the day of the second coming draws near and as we get closer, things are going to get worse and worse. Don't be surprised when sinners sin. That's what they're going to do. Don't be surprised when the world gets things wrong and that don't have Jesus. That's what's going to happen. And, and so instead of getting angry and mad and cursing the darkness, we ought to take a light out there. 
They do that because they don't have Jesus. So we ought to tell them about Jesus. We ought to show them Jesus. We ought to be different. James 5.8 told us, be patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So fix, establish, focus your heart. Stop getting so distracted on these temporary things that aren't going to matter a week from now, two years from now, uh, 10 years from now, and eternity from now. Stop letting those things rule your life. Fix and establish your heart on Jesus because he is coming soon. So get ready. Next, it tells us in James 5, 9, it says, do not grumble against one another. Man, James knew us, right? He understood what was going on. When we get impatient, we begin to take it out on other people. We begin to grumble on, uh, at other people. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. God doesn't take that lightly when we begin to bite and tear at each other. The judge is standing at the door. And he's not saying that as a comfort. He's saying that, hey, look, I'm watching you. And those of you that are tearing at each other and grumbling against each other, hey, I am watching. And there's going to be some consequences to that. Have you ever had one of those days that just is going wrong? Everything's going wrong, right? You go and uh, you drive to work and uh, the, the tire has a nail in it. And then later for lunch, you go to the drive-thru trying to get something to eat. They get your order wrong. And then you look at your cell phone bill and it's all messed up. And you got to be on hold for an hour. And then after all that, you finally get home later that day and one of the kids spills a whole gallon of milk on the kitchen floor. What happens, right? We've all had days like that. Suddenly, everybody starts yelling at each other, right? Mom's yelling at the kids and the kids are yelling at the mom and the mom's yelling at the dad and everything has gone wrong because we're hungry and we're tired, and we're sick of waiting, and sick of things going away that we're not excited about. And sometimes in the church, conflict can happen in that way. Storms can come. We become impatient, and frustration occurs in this life, and we begin to take it out on the people that are closest to us. And as Christians, we need to be careful to remember who is on our team. We're not fighting other Christians. We're not fighting even the people of the world. We are fighting against the sin of the world. Our own flesh is our biggest enemy. The one that works the most against us. The sin of the world, our own flesh and the devil, that is who our enemy is. So we need to find reasons as Christians to unify. Don't fight against each other. Don't form teams against each other. Don't take sides against each other. Have grace. Give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't grumble against one another. Yes, sometimes waiting can be hard, right? But the judge is standing at the door. It won't be long. Redeem the time. Don't waste your time. Life is a mist. Life is a vapor. And this life is temporary. Live for the eternal. James 5.10. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers... Take the prophets. Remember the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast, who weren't panicked, who weren't shaken. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord. Now the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Here James reminds us about the Christians and the prophets that have gone on before us. 
And yes, they have suffered. And yes, some have lost their life for the faith, but they were willing to speak up for the name of the Lord. And we have their example to live by. Whenever you think you've got something that's hard in your life, there are examples in the Bible where people remain faithful and people remain steadfast in much worse circumstances. The Bible tells us there's no thing, no sin that we have ever gone through, no temptation we've ever gone through that ever has been any worse than anybody else's. And there's always a way of escape. There's always a way for us to be patient and to remain faithful and trustworthy through these things. Yes, they suffered. Yes, some lost their life for the faith, but they were willing to speak up in the name of the Lord. And we have their example to live by. They were patient. They could see past the moment that they were in. And when they stood before the people that wanted to persecute them, they knew, yes, it would be easier and more comfortable for me to just cave, but I'm not going to live for this life. I'm going to live for another life, a life that I have not seen yet, a place that I have not gone yet, but I realize and I have faith that Jesus is coming back and he's going to make all things new and that will be worth it when I get there. They live for eternity. They didn't give up. They didn't get all flustered. It brings up the example of Job, right? Job lost everything. If you ever think that you, you really need to complain about something and get uh, uh, you know, a little bit frustrated about something, go and look at the life of Job and look what he went through. He lost everything, family, health, uh, health wealth, all of it. And he got some of it back in the end, but that doesn't make up for the fact that he lost something, right? You don't just get new kids and all of a sudden the old kids don't matter anymore. This was a struggle. This was lost. This was hard. But think about how happy Job is and has been for thousands of years since he's gone to heaven. Sure, you can read a story today and think how terrible, but it all makes sense to Job now. And he hasn't felt that pain for thousands of years. Job's in heaven today singing right now, it was worth it all when I saw Jesus. Life's trial seemed so small when I saw Christ. One glimpse of his dear face and all sorrow was erased. And he would tell you today to bravely run the race until you see Christ. It is going to be worth it all. He knows the compassion of the Lord and how merciful he is. And he sees Jesus face to face right now and it is worth it. So James, over these uh, five chapters that he's given us. It's a letter to the Jews and it's a complete message. These Jews that were scattered abroad, these Jews that had it hard, they had it rough. They literally had to leave their place uh, that they grew up, their home country and go somewhere else. And he tells them this, he tells them, look, don't live for material things. Don't live for material things, live for the eternal. Next, he tells them faith without works is dead. You can talk all you want about all the doctrine and the theology and how long you've been in church, but if you aren't living it, if you're not living the things that you know, it's not working. So be a doer, not just a hearer. Then he tells us not to live for ourselves, but to live for others. We need to investigate that part of our life. How is our schedule broken up? Are we working and helping and looking and thinking about people that are outside of our core, our friends and family? Are we living for others? And then he encourages us here. 
When the world seems crazy with shootings and bad morals and crazy politicians, hey, don't get panicked. We still have hope because that same Jesus that came the first time is coming back again. Acts 1.10, during the ascension. While they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And he said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking in heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. That same Jesus that lived a perfect life, that same Jesus that laid down his life in our place and then rose again on the third day, defeating death and the grave, that same Jesus is coming back. We have hope. We ought to be the calmest and least panicked people around. The things that come up in our lives that are just day-to-day -day, uh, worries and frustrations, we, they ought not shake us. Because we know the end of the story. Christ has the victory. And we are his children. And through him, we are conquerors as well. This life is temporary. The next life is eternal. And we can remember that. And we can go into our community with boldness. The boldness of the prophets. And do the work where he left us to do. Because he lives, we can face anything. We can face anything. If you would have told me a year ago that we could go without in-person services and people would still show up on the first Sunday, I'd have said, you're crazy. I quit. But we can live through everything, anything. Why? Because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. And because we don't serve comfort and because we don't serve just the way we want to do things. We serve a greater mission. And we know how this story ends. And these temporary things can't shake us because we have the victory in Jesus Christ. We have hope. So we don't sit paralyzed with fear, bickering at each other and tearing each other down. We remember that we need to be patient because he is coming and don't fear because he is coming. Don't fight each other because he is coming. Don't lose focus because he is coming. Romans 8, 18 says, for I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that has been revealed to us. For creation waits with eager longing for that revealing of the sons of God. Are you with creation? Are you waiting? And the more things that you see go wrong in our world, it ought to push you and just, uh, you know, point your heart towards Christ. Tori has a grandma, and every, and let me say this, every single uh, saint that I know, especially older saints, it seems like, that are, uh, you know, living for God, well, they get to a point where they're ready, right? They say, I'm ready for heaven. I'm ready to go there. They're not, they're not uh, depressed. They're not, uh, you know, just tired of it. No, they're ready to see Jesus. They're ready to see those loved ones that have come on before, and why do we wait, though, to get to that point? Is it because right now we're too excited about the things that are going around? And we're too, uh, you know, uh, clenching on to the material world? I remember feeling that way when I was a teenager. Jesus, don't come back yet. I want to get married. I want to have kids. It all will be worth it when we see Christ. There is nothing greater 
that can happen in this life that is greater than when you lay your eyes on Jesus. And these sufferings that we're going through right now and these things that we see around us, they are not worthy to compare to the joy that we will have when we see Jesus. James 5, 8, be patient, be patient, be patient. Establish your heart, fix your heart, focus your heart. Why? Because the coming of the Lord is at hand. Every head bowed and every eyes closed. Those of you at home, we'd ask you to do that too. When you think about the coming of the Lord, when you think about Jesus returning, making all things new, what does that bring up in you? Is it fear? Is it dread? Is it worry? We ought to look at that as a, a, a time of joy because everything will be set right. And maybe it's a little bit of worry and anxiety because you're not sure you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. You might need to investigate that. Now, if you're worried because you're not good enough, hey, look, none of us are good enough. None of us can work our way to heaven. But if you're worried because you don't know for sure that there's a time and a place that you can go back to where you put your faith in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and that alone, you knew you were a sinner, you couldn't get there on your own, you couldn't bridge the gap. You put all your faith in Jesus Christ. You can't go back to a time and a place like that. You can do that today once and for all. It's not a magic prayer. It's not about being a church member or getting baptized. Those things are great, but that's not where it starts. call out to God right now with something like this. God, I know I'm a sinner. I know because of my sin, I deserve hell. But God, please forgive me. Turning from all my sin and everything that I hold on to, all my good works, all of it, I put my faith in you and only you is the only means of salvation. I put my faith and trust in you, Jesus. I accept the gift. do that right now. And if you do, look, I'd love to hear from you. you reach out to me, email me, call me, whatever you need to do, Facebook message, Instagram. I'd love to tell you about the next steps. Well, maybe there's fear when we talk about the second coming because your life isn't where it needs to be. Well, look, none of our life is really where it needs to be. But God's convicting you of something in your life that needs to change. You need to get that right today. Stop living for the temporary and the, the pleasures and the thrills, and the pride, notoriety. Lay those things down. Live for the next life, the life that lasts longer. Heavenly Father, God, we love you. God, I pray you help this church to be more focused than ever before on the mission. God, help us to... Uh, put aside all the peripherals and all the things that we get all caught up in, in our home life, in our church life, in our work life. 
God, help us to laser focus on you. Help us to put the mission ahead of everything else because we don't know the next moment we have. Help us, to, help us to remember that we are strangers in this world. We are foreigners, immigrants, exiles. That this world is not our home. Help us hold loosely to the things of this world. Help us to fix our eyes on the kingdom of God. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.